And so I am not against things by any means, but I think it's really important to prioritize what is important to you and what brings you joy and focus on those things and get rid of everything else. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 165 with Sarah Birch. I've known Sarah for close to 10 years, but we only met in person last summer. Sarah is a bicycle touring professional and also a tiny house enthusiast who got in touch with me nearly 10 years ago when she was looking for people who were interested in both bicycle touring and tiny houses. It turns out that there are a lot in common. And in this episode, Sarah will share her story of how she fell in love with bicycle touring and why she thinks it goes so well with tiny house living. And I also share my story of how bicycle touring led into tiny house living for me. It's a really great conversation and I hope you stick around. 2021 is almost half over, but it's not too late to embark on your dream of tiny living. If you're serious about building or buying a tiny house, then I'd like to personally invite you to my online community where you can connect with other tiny housers, get your specific questions answered, and get the much needed support on your tiny house journey. Tiny House Engage brings together tiny house hopefuls and DIYers to share plans and resources, learn from each other's challenges and mistakes, and celebrate our successes so that we can feel less alone while we build faster, safer, smarter, cheaper tiny homes and embrace the tiny house lifestyle. Whether you're a tiny house dreamer who's still figuring out all the systems, plans, and everything you need to put into your tiny house, or if you're actively building your own house right now, Tiny House Engage has the resources for you. There are professional contractors in the community here to answer your questions about plumbing, electricity, and ventilation, and there's also plenty of interaction between members. If you need some encouragement or just need to know how someone else solved a problem, you'll get those answers in Tiny House Engage. I'm also very active in the community personally, answering questions and keeping an eye on things. So if you want to interact with me, this is a great place to do it. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, go to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration is open Tuesday, June 8th through the following Tuesday, or whenever we get 20 new members. I can't wait to meet you in Tiny House Engage, and I know you'll love your new Tiny House community. That website again is thetinyhouse.net slash engage. I'll see you there. All right, I am here with Sarah Birch. Sarah achieved financial independence and quit the rat race nine years ago at the age of 34. For the last 15 years, she's been living her life in reverse. She started out with a husband, a house, a career, and a plethora of responsibilities. Over the years, she has simplified her life, shedding those things that bog her down from living life to the fullest. Her passions include voluntary simplicity, minimalism, financial independence, happiness maximization, and sucking the marrow out of life. She also enjoys traveling, bike touring, leading cycling trips, writing, photography, and meditation. Sarah Birch, welcome to the show. Hi, Ethan. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I, there are so many things in your bio that like just demand follow-up questions. I love it. I love your bio. Um, <laughs> 
I've read a lot of bios on the show. Um, but I wanted to start um, because it, it, like tucked down at the bottom of your bio is, is bicycle touring, um, which is something that is, is near and dear to my heart as well. But it's now something that you've been doing for the last like 10 years. Right. Um, and I was curious if you could just explain to our listeners, like what, what is bicycle touring? Bicycle touring is traveling on a bicycle. And that can mean many things. It can be an overnight trip. It can be a trip of multiple lengths or multiple years. For me, I, you know, people always talked about follow your passion. And I felt uh, very empty <laughs> for the longest time. I didn't feel like I had a passion. There was nothing that made my heart skip a beat until I went on my first bike tour. A friend and I loaded panniers on our bicycles and we uh, had a very short tour to the San Juan Islands. It was just a one night trip. And I absolutely fell in love with bike touring. And it became very clear to me at that time that that was my passion. That's what it feels like to have a passion. And so uh, I came back home and learned everything I could about bike touring and um, eventually decided to, to lead bike tours. And uh, now I lead and design trips for others as well. So it has definitely become a big part of my life. Yes, yeah, so you are a professional bike tour guide. <laughs> you could call it that, I suppose. <laughs> now, the tour that you described, um, you mentioned panniers. Correct. Um, could you explain what those are? Yeah, those are bags that you attach to your bicycle. So you've probably seen people who've had bags on the rear rack of their bicycle. Those are called panniers. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of forms of bags that you can attach to your bicycle, just whatever you need to carry the gear with you, whether you're camping or, you know, some people go credit card touring where they just take a credit card with them and decide to stay in hotels and to eat out at restaurants. That's very, a very lightweight form of traveling. So yeah, bicycle touring comes in all shapes and sizes. I personally prefer gritty off-road touring. So I, I like riding off-road and camping. That's really what makes me excited about bike travel. That's really cool. So bike touring, as I mentioned, also has a kind of a soft spot in my heart because the bike tour, my bike tour, um, which was about 1500 miles uh, on the West coast of the United States, I will add for those international listeners. Um, it kind of preceded my tiny house. I didn't know that I was going to do a tiny house while I was on the bike tour, but working backwards, we did a lot of couch surfing, which was still is around, but it's a popular website where you can find, it's like Airbnb, but free. Um, <laughs> we did a lot of couch surfing. We actually stayed in a few different tiny houses. And I think the being on the road with just the things that I need the most, that I needed the most, kind of set me up to even believe that it was possible to live tiny and, and be more of a minimalist. Um, did, have you found the same thing or, or were you already on a path of minimalism like before you started bike touring? Yeah, I for sure was encouraged to become more of a minimalist with bike touring. I think that is a fantastic way to, it's kind of a forcing function for minimalism. Yeah. So when you are living on your bicycle and, 
And I, I more or less have been living on my bike for the last number of years, um, not full time, but I spend the summers exclusively on my bicycle. And so I'm just carrying everything with my need. I, I need with me my laptop, you know, a couple changes of clothes, my tent, my food. And it's just an incredible way to realize that you can be self-sufficient with very little. And when you're on a bike tour and you're getting along with, with uh, a minimalist lifestyle, you come back to the real world and you look around and you say, wow, I have a lot of stuff. People have a lot of stuff, these gigantic houses and, you know, the houses are filled with things. And you know what? I had, I had a fantastic time on my bike tour. I was the happiest I've been in a long time. And, and, you know, there's just, I think there's a realization that there's a high correlation between having very little and happiness. And for me, bike touring was really critical in, in, in making that switch for me to a more minimalist and simple lifestyle. Yeah. On the, in your bio, you mentioned voluntary simplicity. I think bike touring can sometimes be involuntary simplicity. (laughs) Yeah. You end up like realizing that every, every extra pound is just like extra agony. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's true on a bike tour and it's true in life as well. I mean, we think, you know, we surround ourselves with things and think that, that those things bring us comfort. And sometimes they do, but a lot of things really bog us down. There's the financial co- cost to acquire them. There's also the cost to maintain them, take care of them, later discard them. And so I am not against things by any means, but I think it's really important to prioritize what is important to you and what brings you joy and focus on those things and get rid of everything else. Yeah. And it it seems, you know, a lot of people try, aspire to kind of live that ethos, I guess you could say of like, (laughs) focus on what you love, get those things that you need to do it and get rid of everything else. But then ultimately it's like, okay, but what about like, I have to have the like mop and bucket in my closet or just all these things that like, don't spark joy to use the Marie Kondo term, but like that we as adults just like have to have in order to like maintain our homes, maintain our lives. What do you, what do you say to that? I mean, that's true. Even, you know, if you're on a bike tour, I don't like to carry chain lube with me, but it, it is kind of a necessary evil. If you don't chain, uh, if you don't lube your chain every, you know, so often you're going to have issues and your bike's right. not going to be happy and you're not going to be happy. So that is true. There are some things that you need to get by, but, but you know, that, that's, that's true for anything. And yes. it's just keeping, uh, keeping everything in perspective and keeping your focus on those priorities. Yeah. Yeah. What what is your preferred camping setup? Like, are you a tent? Are you a hammock person? Like what, what's your, you know, I'm a tent person. I'm okay. a, I have a single tent. It's tiny enough that I can lug it around on my bike mm-hmm. without being, um, you know, it's not huge. It doesn't take up a huge volume or anything like mm-hmm. that. I, uh, I have this thing against creepy crawly things. Yeah. I, um, I get bit by insects. It's like, crazy itchy and I have this crazy reaction. So I just want to keep the creepy crawlies away. And there's something about being enclosed in a space that feels very comforting to me. I'm very much an introvert and I like to 
crawl into my cave of a tent and mm-hmm. recharge. And I don't know that I would have that same feeling if I had a hammock or something that didn't entirely enclose me. Right. And so, I mean, it's a tiny little tent, but it feels like my castle and my private space. And nice. uh, that's my preferred setup. How about you? What have you done on your bike tours? Well, on our bike tour, um, I've been on, I've only been on two bike tours. I did the one big one 10 years ago. And then a few years later, Dan and I, my cousin who I, I did the first one with, um, we did, uh, I think a three night tour around Crater Lake in Oregon. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. And actually we're now, so he turned 30 on our bike tour in 2011 okay. and we're actually now planning to do another one this summer, probably a week. Um, cause he's going to turn 40. It's amazing how oh, 10 years just goes by. Wow. What route are you going to, to cycle? Well, I'm going to pick your brain for information after we're done recording this podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'd be happy to give you some suggestions. Yes. We have, we have some criteria of course, but, um, I'm curious. So actually why don't, maybe you could tell the story of how, how we met virtually not the story of how we met in person, but the the story of how we met virtually probably close to 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, both stories, the virtually and the in-person story, I think are pretty fun, but yeah. So when I first uh, fell in love with bike touring, I was also going through this downsizing phase. And so I was just fascinated. My eyes had been open to bike touring. I didn't know it existed. My eyes had been open to, to, a small lifestyle in tiny homes. And I didn't know that they existed. Uh And I felt somewhat alone. I didn't feel like I could talk with this about my friends. They weren't interested in in these same topics. And so, you know, I turned to Google to see if I could find somebody else who had a similar um, overlap in, in interests. And so I Googled, I don't remember exactly what the search terms were, but something like bike touring and tiny house living. And your name was the first to pop up. I read, I think it was a blog post uh, that, that you had written or written for someone else. And so I reached out to you and, and I think that was back in 2012. So nine, nine-ish years ago. Yeah. And we shared a couple back and forths. And I had actually talked with you a little bit later about tiny house designs and uh, loved your tiny house designing and, and uh, talked with your, I think it was an architect friend of yours who... Yeah designed your house and got very, very close to pulling the trigger on building a house. And, and then I had the opportunity to live on a sailboat. So I put all those plans on hold. (laughs) But anyway, that is how we met virtually. And I'm so glad we made the connection because it has just been a joy watching you and watching your evolution over the years. Oh, thank you. And I've also enjoyed following you. You are a beautiful writer. Oh, thank you. I've loved reading your accounts of your trips and, um, then I'll, I'll add that we, I literally walked by you on the street. Um, and to be fair, you had told me that you were going to be in Burlington or in Vermont because you were leading a trip here. Right. But I think that we hadn't found a time to connect or that it wasn't going to work out. And I literally just like, was like, Oh, hi, Sarah. Like you were just there. I just like was walking down my street fun. That was so incredibly fun. I love serendipitous moments like that. And that is one of my favorites. (laughs) Bike. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say that, like, I think that bike touring and tiny house living, like they are both 
kind of novel and interesting. They, I think they, I think they increase the chance that you're going to have serendipitous events, I guess is what I'm getting at. Oh, most certainly. And I am going to take that one step further. And I'm going to say that if you live the life that you want to be living and really design your own life and follow your heart, the universe is just sprinkling. It's just raining serendipitous events. And I'll give you an example. Last night, I've had some work kind of looming over me for the last couple of months. And I finally wrapped everything up last night around five o'clock. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I did that, you know, this weight was lifted off me and I had a couple of people reach out to me with some opportunities. And I was just like, wow, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, the universe is just like, okay, Sarah, we're ready for you. And when you're ready, you let us know, and then we'll make the magic happen. So definitely, I agree that happens on bike tours and with tiny house living, but I think it's more about just following your heart and, and just being open to so cool. what it provides. Yeah. So cool. Super fun. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious. So you have been interested in, in kind of, I'm going to say traditional tiny houses move, you know, tiny houses on wheels mm-hmm. for a while. I'm, I'm curious, you know, what you've decided to do instead. Cause it's, cause you've kind of made a decision and you've, you've now built out a van. Yeah. So I became interested in tiny houses before they were a fad. I first learned about Dee Williams in um, an article that was written in the Chicago Tribune, which I've been trying to track down and have been unsuccessful at that. But I Uh think she built her house in 2004, if I recall correctly. And it was shortly thereafter that I learned about tiny houses and they were just fascinating to me. I mean, how could somebody live in such a tiny space? And then I think that the fad... I shouldn't call it a fad, but the movement definitely picked up an interest um, a couple of years later. And that was great to see that it was Mm -hmm. becoming more acceptable and more um, interesting in in the common stream. Let's see, it was about nine years ago when I quit my job and decided to downsize and I had a really strong push for wanderlust. And so it just made sense at that point in time for me to go and travel. So at that point in time, I... I say homeless, I became homeless without a home. And mm-hmm. so I didn't have a job. I didn't have a home. There was a time when I got rid of my car. So really I wasn't tethered to anything and I felt entirely free to explore curiosities. And I've definitely flirted with the idea of a tiny house over the years. And I mentioned that I was very close to pulling the trigger on one and had mm-hmm. an opportunity to live on a sailboat, which is another form of a tiny house. And to be honest, that was, that's been one of my favorite living experiences, um, you know, coming up on deck in the morning and drinking coffee and watching the sunrise. It's fantastic. And so van living is, is a form of, of tiny house living as well. I had a lot of hesitancies for a long time about van living because it involved a vehicle, you know, and I had been car free and loved being car free. I'm not a huge fan of the environmental impact of vehicles. Um, they they're expensive, they require maintenance. But with COVID and not having a place to live and having most of my life just kind of go up in smoke since my life has been very travel oriented, there was just this really strong intuitive cognitive awareness that, okay, it's now time to build a van. And, mm-hmm. um, and that became my COVID project. And 
I finally finished the van about a month ago and I could not be happier. I'm totally smitten. It is so incredibly cool to have designed and built this tiny little place and to be able to have everything I own in my in my van with me gives me a whole lot of flexibility and I really, really love it. Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I do think a tiny house, having a, a, a proper tiny house will be in my future at some point in time. I envision that'd be a really nice compliment to have a, a tiny house, whether it's on wheels or whether it's fixed to the ground and to have a van. And yeah. then of course, to continue with the bike traveling, I think they all just really go well together. Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, the van is so much more mobile than a tiny house on wheels. For sure. And so, you know, I've, I, I've never moved my tiny house out of Vermont since building it in, you know, 20, finishing it in 2013. Um, and you know, if, I have no desire to travel in it. Like that idea is stressful to think about, let yeah. alone do. Yeah. Well, and you know, traveling on bicycle, I, I mean, of course I've used uh, planes and trains to get between bike trips, but yep. uh, you know, if, if I need to get three States away, you know, a month later to lead a trip, I find myself bicycling, Yep. you yep. know, those thousand miles to get to my next trip, which is totally awesome. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of bicycle routes I'd love to do in the States that I just haven't cycled yet because it's inconvenient to get there. But now that I have my van, it just opens up uh, doors of opportunities for me to be able to drive to a a different state or, or whatever to do these, you know, these smaller bike trips. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Very enabling. Yeah. And, and I see you, you shared lots of great photos, which I'll post on the show notes episode for the page. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have, you have your built-in bike storage. I do. So the whole van was designed around the bikes. There's a a pullout tray in what I call the garage. Okay. And so that tray was really the first thing that was built in the van and it dictated what the rest of the van would, would look like. Yep. So my, my bed is above is above the bike tray. And, you know, the, the amount of headroom that I had for the bed was dictated by the height of the bicycle frames and things like that. So yes. So that is a critical piece of the van. And it's interesting. I mean, the van is very much designed for what I want in a van. I like simple. I still want to feel as though I'm camping, so to speak. So while I have a sink and while I have water. I have uh, 14 gallons of water. I didn't want to deal with an electric pump or drainage. So I have um, you know, a good old fashioned foot pump that you would have in a sailboat. Mm-hmm. And that's what delivers my, my water into the, you know, through the faucet. But my sink, it doesn't have a drain in it. It's just a simple um, you know, container that I can lift out and dump. Mm-hmm. You know, also, I don't have a flushing toilet or a composting toilet. I just have a five gallon bucket and I like it that way. So it's not a van that's necessarily for everyone, but it's exactly what I want for, you know, I, w- I want to keep things simple. Nice. Yeah. I'd like to tell you a little more about Tiny House Engage, my private online community for people who are planning, building, or living tiny. Tiny House Engage members are also able to listen live as I record these podcasts and interviews and ask questions of our guests. So if you're a big fan of the Tiny House Lifestyle podcast, 
Joining Tiny House Engage is a great way to get a look inside and get access to episodes weeks or even months before they go live on the feed. To learn more and register for Tiny House Engage, head over to thetinyhouse.net slash engage. Registration will open Tuesday, June 8th, and will be open until we get 20 new members or for one week, whichever comes first. I can't wait to meet you in Tiny House Engage, and I know you'll love your new Tiny House community. I'll see you there. That website again is thetinyhouse.net slash engage. So the, sh- you know, the name of this podcast is, is the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. And what I've been trying to get at over, over these years of doing the show is, is kind of bringing people the lifestyles that tiny house living can kind of help you achieve. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how you see living tiny, living, you know, voluntarily simplicity or living involuntary simplicity. How does that, you know, how does that enable and complement your lifestyle? Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's so many forms, as you were alluding to, uh, so many forms of, of tiny house or tiny living. Well, we'll get rid of the word house and just say mm-hmm. tiny living. And, you know, living on a bicycle is one form where you're just living out of a couple of paneers. Living on a tiny house trailer is another form. Living in a van is another form. And I think the important part is that you keep your possessions few, you, you know, mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. And, and that just gives you tons of flexibility as to what you can do with your life. It's, there's not a whole lot of cost, so to speak. And I don't necessarily mean financially, but to making a change and experimenting with a different kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you with my lifestyle, the last couple of years, I've spent the summer living on my bike, bike traveling. I've spent the winter months basically chasing summer. So I've gone to the Southern hemisphere to live. And in, in those instances, I've basically lived out of a backpack, which is mm-hmm. um, living with even less than I had on a bicycle. And, and now that I have the van, um, I guess that's, that's going to be a compliment to my travels here in the States. And, and you know, th- having a van, this is the largest space that I've been in in a number of years. And I certainly had to acquire a lot of things, the van being the biggest one to make this happen. But I still feel that um, my lifestyle gives me the flexibility to be able to make a change. If I wanted to move to Vermont tomorrow, I could do that very easily because I'm not tied down to a lot of physical or other obligations where I am right now. And, and that's just so absolutely freeing. Feels fantastic. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I think that you've really hit upon, it sounds like for you, that flexibility and the ability to change if you want to mm-hmm. is, is really important. For sure. And the other thing I didn't mention is that I also house it ah. kind of in the shoulder seasons. And um, that really fills my need for uh, my love for animals. Mm-hmm. I love animals, but just having my own is a little complicated <laughs> with, with a meandering lifestyle. Sure, But it also fills that need to, I shouldn't say that I have a need to be in, in a home, but it's certainly luxurious to be in a full-size home and to be able to walk into a backyard and pick something from a guard, you know, someone's garden. Yeah. And, and so it's nice just to kind of, to live in that world every once in a while. And 
you know, and just having this very flexible lifestyle gives me that opportunity to bounce around between bike touring and house sitting and traveling and van living. Yeah. And I love it. It just keeps life spicy. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So you mentioned, I, I love the, the concept of living your life in reverse, you know, like starting off with lots of mm. things and like getting rid of them. I'm curious, did you set out to do that or did, did you kind of look back and say, wow, I like kind of funny. I lived my life in reverse here. I started off with all these like responsibilities and, and things and now I have less. Yeah, it's, you know, I, until I was in my mid twenties and really started thinking about how I was living my life, I was just living my life according to society's expectations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I went, went to college and when I graduated, I got a ring on my finger and I got married and I bought a house and we, you know, tried to start a family and that's just what you do. That's what, you know, kind of the trend of society, you get on this roller coaster and you just follow it. And and I was doing very well at those things. You know, I had a great job and, you know, my marriage was going well and all of that. And then I just started thinking like, is this really what I want? I wasn't mm-hmm. truly happy. I felt like there was this underlying current of just constant unease and just unhappiness. And and really what kicked off this whole journey for me was learning about that concept of, of um, voluntary simplicity, that those were the two words that really kicked all of this off. Hmm. And for me, that was just pivotal. And I started really thinking about my life and thinking about what I really wanted and mm-hmm. realizing that, that the things that society told me to do were nothing that I was interested in doing. Yeah. And, um, and so it took me a number of years to kind of suss out what I wanted and to be able to unravel my life and, and kind of reverse my life and, um, and, and create the freedom that I've had. But I've been at it for nine years now. I think the biggest concern was the financial concern. Yeah. Because, you know, leaving um, a stable source of income is, is kind of scary. Um, and the first year I had my fingers and toes crossed and was super frugal and I continue to be super frugal. And, you know, some people look at that as a, kind of a pain point. I, I love it myself. I think mm-hmm. it's a, a great way to be conscientious and deliberate about all the decisions you're making. Yeah. But yeah, I, I certainly did not set out to live my life in reverse. It's just kind of something that happened. And I think it's wonderful nowadays that there are so many resources available to people, so many uh, inspirational blogs and websites and podcasts, yours included, that kind of inform people that there's a different way to live. And had I been aware of these different lifestyles when I was younger, I probably would have gone down one of those paths. But at the same time, I may not have been in the same financial position um, had I not, you know, had my career days. And so it's, it's interesting to see how life has unraveled. And, um, and I'm really grateful for it all. All the good and bad experiences have brought me to where I am today. Nice. And you, you also um, do some teaching around like bicycle touring and, and house sitting, right? Yeah. You know, it's been a, a little while since I've done that. Um, when I first started, well, I, I love teaching 
I taught in grad school and um, absolutely loved it. And when I found my passion in bike touring, I thought, gosh, I just want to tell more people about this. And, and so I created a little curriculum for, you know, the, the house of, of bike touring mm-hmm. and taught some folks about that. And, and nowadays there are a lot of courses that are available in how to bike, bike tour, but I love teaching. I, I tutor on the side, which which I love to do because I can do it from anywhere in the world, you know, on my own schedule. And mm-hmm. it fills my little, my need to, to want to share and help others grow. Cool. So that's, that's another thing that's really great about this, this lifestyle is, you know, I have so many interests and so many curiosities that are wi- widespread and it's nice to be able to have time to dabble in all of them. Definitely. And if I had a full-time job, I wouldn't really have the time or energy to do that. So it's nice. Um, nice to have the flexibility. Yeah. Because, you know, bike touring kind of rewards a longer trip. At least that's what yeah. I thought. Like, cause I, sure. I found the first like two to, I'm going to say the first four days, just like, even though we had been kind of physically conditioning ourselves as best we could doing a lot of rides, like nothing prepares you for riding 50 miles a day with 50 pounds of stuff than doing it like you just can't oh, sure. so it's just like miserable for the first couple of days well i mean physically but yeah. also mentally i mean yeah. if you're you know taking a vacation from work it takes time to uh decompress yep. and you know if, if you only have a one-week trip you kind of have a forced decompression yeah. <laughs> and you know maybe by the middle of the week you're able to enjoy it and by the end of the week you're already thinking okay i need to go home and do laundry and get everything to go back to work um you know ready but but yeah, I definitely agree. There's uh, with any bike tour that I've done, it always takes me a couple of days just to get into the swing of things. Nice. Both physically and mentally. But once you're there, it's just really fantastic. You know, I, what I, for people who aren't familiar with bike touring, I, I like to talk about how it is to travel in a car. When you're traveling in a car in the summertime, your windows are rolled up and the scenery is just a blur. It's just flying by you. But when you're on a bicycle, you get to really, your senses are, are, are wide open. You get to smell things and taste things and see things that you don't otherwise see. So your first big trip was along the Pacific coast and mm-hmm. mine was as well. And I don't recall if you Remember, but down by uh, San Simeon in, in Southern California, there are a bunch of elephant seals on the beach. And if you're riding south, cycling south along the coast, you are at the perfect vantage point to see these elephant seals. And in fact, you can smell them before you can <laughs> see them. But if you're in a car and you're whizzing by, there's no way that you can see down onto, like over the guardrail and down onto the beach to see these elephant seals. Yeah. And you know, I, that's what bicycle touring is like all the time. You just see things you cannot see from a car. Yeah. And, and it's just incredible how much richer and more colorful the world is when, when you're really fully in the moment and fully yeah. in the experience. There's a real, like, I think there's a parallel there to, to living tiny in, in that it's like when you're bike touring, you, you do less. Like you cover less ground and so therefore you can't travel as far, but, but you see so much more. For sure. 
and it, and you're as you mentioned you're outside you're like in you're in it if it's raining you're getting rained on if it's you know if you're biking past a bunch of cows you smell them um <laughs> and it's in in some ways like it's that way in tiny house living as well because you're you're kind of much more just closer to being outside and you go outside much more when you're living tiny at least that's what i've found yeah for sure and you know what i love about bike touring is and and, and tiny living is that you're your needs really become very animalistic, so to speak. Yep. But maybe this is, this is more so true for, for bike touring. Your concerns are about finding food and shelter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, making physical progress every day. Yep. But when you let all of the annoyances of just everyday living, you know, electricity bills and, you know, dentist appointments and things like that, when that all fades away and you just focus on the moment and focus on your human needs. Mm -hmm. It's just, I I just feel like that's how we're meant to live. You know, I, I love technology. I love the advances and where we are in society, but I feel like we've become so disconnected with being human beings. Yeah. And I just want to do a lot more of the being part of being a human being. I love that. You've got so many nice, you, you just like say things in a really accessible and inspiring way. I think people, this is a very different conversation than I usually have on the show, but I, I think that people are going to really like it. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. I was curious to ask, like, are there any things that you've learned from bicycle touring that you think have helped you in living tiny that we haven't already talked about? Oh man. Um, you know, I think, um, the, something that comes to mind is trying to think about things in terms of their multi multifaceted functionality. Mm -hmm. I think this, these days there are so many products out there that are very specific for one particular task or Mm -hmm. accomplishing one particular thing. And with a little bit of creativity and MacGyverism, (laughs) I think that you can use one single thing and have multiple applications. And that's definitely true for bike touring, definitely true for tiny living. And if you think about it, it, it's more kind of interesting, more fun to live that way. But just the, the impact that you have, your footprint is so much smaller and so much more deliberate and intentional. And and, I, and bike touring has really taught me that. And I've applied that to all areas of my life. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Have you, have you uh, found any tidbits of wisdom from your bike touring days that you've applied to tiny house living? Um, I mean, I think that a few things come to mind. Um, you know, tiny, my tiny house doesn't have a very big fridge or fridge. So like figuring out how, figuring out a couple of meals that are small and easy to make, um, that you enjoy eating yeah, was really important on the bike tour. And then that kind of translates over to life of like, oh, I don't need a giant fridge full of food. I just like need oatmeal and cinnamon and then like some hummus and maybe some pita bread or something. Just like you, you kind of put together 
Yes. Those are the base. And you know, that's true, not just for food, Uh but for clothing too. Like find a few of your favorite articles of clothing, you know, things you, you put on and they just feel really good Mm -hmm. and they're functional too. Mm -hmm. And maybe you have two versions of those and you know, there it is. Voila simplicity. So that's a great, that's a great takeaway. Yes, for sure. And then I think the other one is like the fix it yourself kind of mentality Mm -hmm. because contractors can be kind of um, sometimes unwilling to work on a tiny house for various reasons. Either it's too small of a job or they just don't, you know, what is this thing? An RV? I don't work on those. So it's just like you end up like getting nitty gritty with plumbing and with uh, electrical and just like all these things that most people don't ever deal with. And I remember early on in, in my tour, I, my, my touring bike is a, like a 1997, no, 1991 Cannondale T700. So it's an old bike. Yeah. And I bought it at a bike swap in Burlington. And I remember when I started the tour in Seattle, my braking wasn't awesome. And I like kind of stuck my fingernail in in the brake pads and realized that they were just like so old, like the rubber had really (laughs) hardened and like sucked. So I went to a bike shop and bought brake pads. And the the guy at the bike shop was great. He was like super psyched for us that we were going to go touring. And I was like, I bought the brake pads and I was like, um, I don't remember if I asked him, I didn't, I didn't want them to put it on for me because like I wanted to save money, but like I started asking him some questions about how to do it. And he was just like, you're going to need to figure it out. Like not in a mean way, but in a like, you're on this bike tour, you're going to have to repair your bike. So like, you're going to have to figure out how to put these brake pads on. Yeah. And like, I so appreciated that he did that. Cause I, I did, I figured out how to put the brake pads on. It wasn't hard. And that is kind of a mentality from bike touring of the like, fix it yourself, figure out, you know, carry some tools, be able to fix your gear, be able to fix your house in the field. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, with my van, I had a friend of mine help me design the electrical system. So I have um, some solar panels on top and an inverter and uh, you know, all Mm -hmm. sorts of cables and circuit breakers and all this. And I am not naturally electronically inclined by any means, but you know, I'm living in this van on my own. And if something goes haywire, I need to be able to fix it. And so it was kind of, kind of that same sort of situation that you had where I was like, Ooh, I just have to learn this. And so uh, I went one afternoon and sat in front of my electrical system and labeled every single wire and then made a diagram of everything. And then asked the heck of questions out of my friend, you know, what if this happens? What if that happens? What do I do? And now I feel like I have a fairly good grasp of the electrical system. And, you know, that's something I wouldn't have thought I ever cared or (laughs) would ever learn to know, but um, I'm really glad. I feel very empowered by that. Nice. Yeah. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests is, um, are there any books or other resources that have inspired you in this kind of lifestyle that, that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, there is a podcast called The Voluntary Life. And um, a guy named Jake DeSillis has hosted that or had hosted that podcast for a long time. He has more than 400 episodes. And he nice. focused on um, entrepreneurship, financial independence, and freedom. And 
And so I learned a lot from him. He he was in the days before Mr. Money Mustache. A lot of people okay. follow Money Mustache. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, financial independence, retire early, yep. early type of themes. But Jake's podcasts have been fantastic at just talking about a whole slew of areas that really affect and, and, and influence a simple lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So he's a, a resource I would highly recommend. Another one is a book called How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World. It was written by a guy named Harry Brown, who was a politician and an investment advisor. Um, he was actually the Libertarian Party's presidential nominee back in 96 and 2000. Mm-hmm. And um, just a really fascinating book about how happiness is the highest goal that you can achieve. And I think really when you drill down into bike touring and tiny house living and minimalism, really what is at the core of all of this is mm-hmm. happiness. That's what mm-hmm. we're all looking in this life. And so the question is how, how to bring that about and how to make uh, happiness grow and how to make it um, the main kind of center part of your life. Yeah. So those are the two resources I would highly recommend. Awesome. Sarah Birch, thank you so much uh, for sharing all your, your knowledge and, and inspiration really with, with us. Thank you, Ethan. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to, to when our paths cross the third time. Me too. Me too. <laughs> this, summer. this summer. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Sarah Birch for being a guest on the show. You can find the show notes, including photos from Sarah's bike tours and also photos of Sarah's van, including her awesome bike storage tray at thetinyhouse.net slash 165. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 165. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.